Hello and welcome to episode two of, of I'm going to say it wrong because you called me out on it, Bruzik and Boozies. <laughs> I said it right. Um, tonight we are talking about, for those who can see us, uh, I, I guess you can probably gauge by our outfits, um, that we are talking about Jurassic Park, one of our faves. Um, Christopher over here is dressed as Ian Malcolm. He's got his little leather oh, jacket. Oh, yes, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> um, and I got my... but I tried. <laughs> I mean, Goldblum's hard to hard to perfect, I think. It's just like, ah, 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 yeah. Uh, he makes noises. That's about it. Always <laughs> That's really all you can do. Aloof. Um, I got my Alan Grant thing going on. I also got my Ian Malcolm. Very button. nice. Oh, like it and I almost, I almost forgot my hat. Oh, yes. Oh, speaking of which, actually, before, yep, I was going to just say, as you're about to take a drink, I have my, dun, 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 <laughs> Jurassic Park mug with my special drink in there as well. Insert dinosaur so we noise. The brews. What's, what's your brew today? So I have Garvey's Point. Gold Coast Double IPA. It is honestly fantastic. It's probably the best IPA I've had from. We are in Long Island, so best IPA really? I've ever had. That's saying a lot. Long Island. I know you're a very big fan of IPAs. And... I am, and I mean, this isn't a beer podcast, but my favorite IPA ever is from Florida Beer Brewing Company. It's called Swamp Ape. Best IPA I've ever had. Yeah, I've personally had. I'm sure there's better ones, whatever. But this one is very good. I suggest it yes. highly. Uh, it's uh, they should make a they should make a dinosaur beer. beer. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said they should make a dinosaur beer called Isla Brewbar. Brewbar? Because isn't that one of the islands like Isla Nubar or something? <laughs> I just made that up. Yeah, but anyway, forget. Are you move on? Are you punning on a beer? <laughs> yes. It's being um, funny. I don't get the pun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like brew and bar, new bar. I don't know. I was going with something there. Didn't work. Uh, I thought you were going for rhubarb. That probably wouldn't taste very good. <laughs> so that's what it sounded like. I was like, nope, didn't work. <laughs> Never rub no another man's rhubarb, Chris. Never. Crash. <laughs> <laughs> so I am excited right. for today's episode or tonight's episode. Yes. As you can tell by our gear, we are very excited for this one. Um I think we've both been in a John Williams type of mood lately as well. Like I just got the ET, ET on vinyl and I've been playing it up a storm. Couldn't track down Jurassic Park, unfortunately. Um, and it was his birthday. Yeah, I think it was so his birthday too, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've been, we've been in, in Jones and for some John Williams. Um, and I, I, I guess when I, I don't remember as a kid watching, like, different from when we talked about Back to the Future last week. I remember seeing it. I remember having memories of it. Jurassic Park is very different. I have such a connection to it now, but I don't remember as a kid ever watching it. I don't remember sitting down and watching it. I don't remember where my love for the movie started. And it wasn't until Hmm. whenever Jurassic World came out. Was that like six years ago? Something like that. 97 or something like that. No, not Lost World, Jurassic World, like the newer ones with Chris Pratt. Oh, sorry, Jurassic World. The, oh, that came out, I'm um, sorry, uh, 2014, I think. Yeah. Um, that's when I decided I was going to read Jurassic Park for the first time and fell in love with the book. 
fell in love with Michael Crichton, who is now one of my favorite authors. I've read, I would say around probably upward of 12 of his books at this point. He is like my personal hero. I, (laughs) Jurassic Park is not my favorite of his books, but I do love it because I do love the movie. Um, And that's really when I started, I think, really getting into, I love Jurassic Park. And of course, I'm a big Universal Studios person. So I go to the park and see the Jurassic Park there all the time. So, uh, yeah, I don't have like a a childhood connection. I don't, it's Mm. weird. That is weird. But I guess, like you said, it's maybe not childhood, but maybe early, late childhood, would you say? Maybe like, like going into your teens, probably something like that still works yeah i mean like i said it came out we were very young when it came out came out in 93 so we were both very young when that came out yeah um so i have the earliest childhood with jurassic park as a childhood uh connection because my brother my brother was very much into the movie i think um he was obsessed with the you know the dinosaurs and um i just remember being too scared of it um like it was very scary so i think i didn't watch it when it first came out i don't know if we rented it or we owned it. i don't know i just remember my brother getting it on vhs at a certain point i don't know for his birthday or something he really wanted it and i think we had some toys with it maybe i don't know he'd have to confirm with me with that so i'm sure he's if he's listening he'll know the real story i'm probably butchering the timeline of all of that when we got <laughs> all our jurassic park merchandise but um, here's one. I think this is one of them, by the way. He also had a black one with uh, the red, the other one. That one broke, I think. Uh, but they were pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, I just remember, though, I was just finally, I think, got over my fear of seeing the movie. And I finally just watched it. And I was just like, I know it's scary and it's, you know, just kind of freaky with dinosaurs eating people. But it definitely holds a, a childhood spot and like just how amazing I was that you were seeing real dinosaurs. There was no doubt about it for if you were a child or, you know, someone young, you really believe those were real dinosaurs, even though, you know, it was fake, but still you just thought, okay, they just somehow made real dinosaurs. You don't know. Yeah. I think that's, that's really what Steven Spielberg was trying to, to get everyone to, to feel that wonder that they're feeling in the movie and to feel that fear that they're feeling in the right. movie. And, and it does a good job, especially when you're younger, because you're living yeah. alongside these two kids who are, are feeling the wonder and the, and the fear. And I think it really does. And John Williams really helps with that, too, with the score. But, yeah, it definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely very effective. Something something moving in that piece that just kind of connects, you think, dinosaurs <laughs> and just yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, adventure. Something with the, that combination, maybe, I would say. Um, I mean, we're going to go more, probably more into it later on when we go more scenes that can kind of describe more of like maybe the feel of it, possibly what he, uh, what the themes were going for. But as far as like the whole John Williams score connected to Jurassic Park, it definitely just holds up with just, wow, that's like, it's, it's like an adventure. It's just, it's, it's exciting and it's memorable for sure. Still there? I'm still here. <laughs> okay, good. Um, like, did I freeze again? <laughs> a little bit, but I think we're a little good. Bit? Okay, <laughs> a little good. technical difficulty. Um, <laughs> just not not the day for uh, my Wi-Fi. <laughs> <sighs> but 
Um, That's okay. Yeah. Actually, this is perfect because in the movie they had some technical difficulties themselves. <laughs> Just saying, if you see a fat guy running around in a vending machine, he has something to do with it. <laughs> Newman, Nedry. So uh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Gotta, the power goes out. That'd be awesome right now. Had something sweet. Hold on to your butts, as they say. The famous line. <laughs> quote bomb right now. Um. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to share. Because I'm sure you know this, but from my knowledge of how Steven Spielberg came to make this film, um, because I am a Michael Crichton fan, so I will share a little bit of Michael Crichton knowledge with everyone. Um, Go for it. So Steven Spielberg was in pre-production, like very, very pre-pre-pre-production for a movie that he was going to make called ER. ER, of course, is a television show that was um, created by Michael Crichton. So alternatively... Spielberg scrapped the idea for ER when he heard that Michael Crichton was writing a book about dinosaurs and uh, production companies, Spielberg started making bids for the idea before the book was even written. And I think like I heard rumors that like Joe Dante, Dante was interested in this movie. Uh, James Cameron might've been interested too, which would have been very weird. But ultimately, I think like Universal landed the deal. They gave, uh, Crichton, like one and a half billion, two million, not billion dollars to <laughs> say Billy <Wow. laughs> to, for, for the for the rights to the idea, and then to come and write the screenplay because Michael Crichton, if you don't know, is uh, he does write screenplays, he's directed, he's done television, he's written books. He also has a medical degree from heart had, excuse me, he passed away, had a medical degree from Harvard Medical, I believe, as well. So, yeah, so uh, Steven Spielberg was supposed to do ER, scrapped it um, for Jurassic Park, and that's why we got this amazing dinosaur movie um, before the book was even written, which is pretty cool. I wish my ideas were that powerful. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I didn't know about the book at all, I think, until years later. Maybe I saw it in the library, said Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. I'm like, oh, this is a book about the movie, right? And I'm like, it's like, no, it's a book first. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to read first? To, if it's a book? I was like, I kind of, I thought like Jurassic Park, the movie was like an original idea, you know, but you learn that almost every time you see an awesome movie, it's like oh, based on this book. It's, it's how they get movies made. That's mm-hmm. be good. They come from some kind of fan, uh, some kind of source material. So um, I was, uh, like, I, like I said, later on, that makes a lot of sense. So I was just like, and uh, thank you for uh, teaching us all that information because that's stuff yeah. I really didn't have an interest. Not that it wasn't interesting, but I didn't have all of that mm-hmm. kind of knowledge about the connection between story and the movie, how it got made. Also, Steven Spielberg, uh, I know you mentioned claymation when we were just talking about ideas for this. Oh, yeah. Um, Spielberg was actually, uh, I think not like influenced but inspired by king kong and he was more uh he said he's more interested in the dinosaurs of king kong than he was actual king kong and it's funny that we were talking <laughs> about cremation which would have been funny if it wound up in yeah. this movie having having been inspired by the dinosaurs of king kong yeah but yeah I'm it gonna, really I'm is gonna... that's like the original jurassic park if you really wanted to think about it yeah i mean very true imagine if a giant monkey if king kong showed up in jurassic park and did like a crossover King Kong versus the yeah. T-Rex. Well, Remind me, I don't, I don't want to talk. <laughs> Sorry, you just made me think of something. 
um, maybe later on, but there is a, um, I, I heard this funny thing today. Uh, I was looking into it. I was, I was doing, you know, our notes for today. And um, I, I want to get into it later, but it has connection with, I, I want to say, um, I kind of made a joke about it. And it's kind of a connection to the monsters and um, how we forget that this is a movie and it doesn't have to be realistic. Just remind me that later. I want to go into that later. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. explain. So you understand what I'm talking about. Not to make yeah. you vague like that, but. Yeah. So. I mean, I could keep going. You said it doesn't have to be realistic. I could have said more things, but I'm going to hold off. Right. Maybe Even the story, up. it's like, you know, <laughs> could Jurassic Park happen? They do a whole research team to understand this whole concept mm-hmm. of cloning dinosaurs six, from 65 million year old blood and DNA, well, the, which you could probably get more thing about, To me, I mean, this isn't a podcast about Michael Crichton or beer, which I should just yeah, start another familiar. podcast about it, Michael it, Crichton. It makes this movie more interesting in why it's made. Like, why do we yeah. think it's such a cool idea? Well, that's the thing. Michael Crichton had these ideas in the, in the this book was written in 89, I think. Um, okay. So he had so, and this isn't the first book he ever written. So he had so oh, many no. ideas before yeah. his time, like, never would have thought that this was possible and now definitely could happen at this point so Mm -hmm. he really he really was ahead of his time with a lot of his ideas and if you read his books and you're reading them he wrote a lot of things in like the 70s early 80s and you're like wait when was this was this written now because this is totally a thing that could happen right now and i yeah it seems to be the people with those kind of scientific um you know uh backgrounds uh really and like someone like him, where he's just he's a he's taking it from a scientific approach that, you know, he probably can hypothesize so many things, mm-hmm. having all of that interest and how to write a science fictional story out of it for the rest of us. It's like, oh, could that happen? Like, we don't know. <laughs> We're just like, mm-hmm. cool. In this movie, it did. Or in this story, it did. Keep them coming. You know, what else you got? So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I- yeah. Um, so I'll be coming at you with all the differences between the book and the movie as we uh, talk through this. Yes, as well. please. Because I, like I said, I, as I, I watched the film, I was just like, you know, I, I think I brought this up to you yesterday. I'm like, they never explained this part. And you're saying they do later. Like if you if you actually pay attention to the book and the books, mm-hmm. they actually kind of answer those kind of unexplained uh, story parts and, and those questions. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested. I, I told you beforehand, I'm like, don't tell me. I want to know what the actual <laughs> um, uh, answers were to that. So, because yes. I'm curious and I still have no answers after 30 years of watching this movie just about. So, um, well, that's the quite. thing about, I think it's 20, uh, how, 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 28 years old or something like that. But yeah. The movie? Oh, yeah. This, yeah, because I got, this is the 25th anniversary hat. So I got this like three years ago. So probably about 28 years now. Crazy. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Goes by quick. But, but I'm th- sorry. this movie. We, uh, go back into what you're saying. Uh, you get about what the dino DNA movie scene, the clip is about like four minutes long. And right. that basically gets all the exposition from the book and just puts it in that four minute movie because that's why so, there's so many things in the movie. You're like, ah, I don't know. It's because they play yes. more the science and everything in the book. Don't ask me to repeat it. Right. I and that is, tell you honestly, that is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. <laughs> what? Oh, the Dino DNA. <laughs> that guy, yeah. The, 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 the fact that they could make exposition out of a cartoon DNA character. Mm-hmm. How smart is that? <laughs> a whole mm-hmm. explanation in this two minute, what, what, I'm sorry, minute, whatever it is scene. And it's just like, you get the whole movie. 
I'm like all right there for, for you packaged nicely so it's yeah. kind of funny um but yeah i mean spielberg claims that's his idea is it was his idea maybe maybe it was i mean it's a great who cares, idea. Who cares? i know we we said we don't care we got to see the movie but i'm sure somebody's like no why, why do you do that you know it was mike Crichton or somebody else but this is my idea. okay um All right. so yeah that was basically my um my thing about that anyways <clears throat> so let's start from the beginning i like talking about the first scene of a movie um, and this one in particular, because it is different from the book in the book, the, the, right. in the book, the story opens with talking about Jurassic Park two for very quickly. There's that compy scene in the beginning where the little girl gets attacked by the compies. Oh, right. Yes. There's a very similar scene to that in the first book. And that's how the book opens. There's no okay. raptor scene. Um, so you get the idea that there's dinosaurs and they're killing people. But I think this movie opens on that scene. So it, it sets the tone so well that like mm -hmm. you're already entering a world where nothing's right. Mm -hmm. Like if, if, if it were to open with them going to Grant and being like, I have this theme park, you have to come see it. And things started going wrong. I think it would have a different tone at the beginning of the movie. It, it, I like that it opens with that scene and the guy gets eaten. And automatically you're like, oh, it's, nothing. It's Jaws. Like, it's classic 101 horror yes, stories. Yes, yes, And that's what he does. That's what Spielberg does. That's why it's. That's why it works. And it's just he's following, following the formula of a good horror movie, and that's what it is. Horror. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, because it's not inherently a horror movie, but like, it is. Because like horror like is what I mean. Horror yeah, themes yeah. and 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 storytelling. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you got get monsters that, and victims. Is what I mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah. you got that like first victim right off the bat gets eaten, flash right into the next scene. And it's like, oh, great. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, and then you get a... that like juicy raptor theme from John Williams. That hand going through the guy <laughs> every time in the beginning of the raptors. I can't, I'm yeah. trying to recreate it, but that's just, that part always just like, does he have a fourth, third hand and a fourth hand? Like, I was like, what was that? I could never understand as a kid, like what was happening there? And I'm realizing that, um, you know, that guy just lost his life. You know, he just got taken mm -hmm. away. I always thought it was just like, so what? His hand, I don't know. It just didn't impact me until later on. I watched it over and over again that it was just well, like, oh. This whole, that scene has such an impact on the movie because that's why the lawyer is there and that's why yes. everyone gets called to the island because there's they're now calling into question the theme park because this guy died from one of the, yeah. the dinosaurs yeah so it really sets in motion the whole thing right right it's like there's like you said there's more behind the, the curtains or behind this um wonderland that john mm -hmm. uh hammond is trying to create for you know to impact the world so greatly that he feels so this is his way of just basically like you know um like you said it's going to crumble from the inside out almost whether he you know because it's control and that's kind of what the movie's about as well so or not control mm -hmm. you know what scares me <laughs> well that's the whole thing in this movie is you think you can play god and have control and you actually can't because you don't understand these animals and you also can't just take something you've learned and just apply it and expect to be praised for it and expect all this reward 
no, it doesn't work that way. Right. You have to work towards it and you don't. So that's why, you know, karma is a, 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 you know what? <laughs> yeah. So um, that's really all I had to say about the beginning of the movie. I mean, the, the movie itself kind of plays out just kind of, you know, chronologically of events. Mm-hmm. It's not really like, oh, big moments in that that aspect you get to learn about the characters and quickly it's very quick very quick how you learn who the characters are but you believe who they are too that's what's so great Mm -hmm. i mean you i think with tim and lex excuse me i think with tim and lex you relate to them so well as a kid because they are they're very relatable like one's really nerdy and dorky and one's a little preppy and sporty and whatever and and you know you have alan and and Ellie and it's like oh, they're relatable too and they're, they're adults and now as an adult I relate to them more so like there's so many people to relate to in this movie and like how they react to the park is very relatable because Grant and Ellie feel like kids when they see those dinosaurs even though they're adults and the kids yeah. feel like kids because they're kids like let's look at let's flip it on the other side look at the adults who feel like a child now and they've known dinosaurs their whole life in their in their books and their studies like Alan mm-hmm. and Ellie and they literally crumble and become children instantly because of the attachment of a fictional dinosaur that most children are exposed to because it's a fictional character in the sense, uh, like, you know, a character, it's a fictional um, kind of fantasy to, to, you know, entertain children. So I think like, why does anybody like dinosaurs so much? Cause we don't have them around here. You know, we have, other type of reptiles and things like that, but we don't have real huge gigantic monsters walking around. And uh, yeah. th- that's why that scene, when Alan sees the, uh, uh, the brontosaurus, the, the famous brontosaurus scene, this brontosaurus, With right? The long neck? No. The brachiosaurus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Someone's going to correct me on this, I know, but. Uh, maybe Brachiosaurus. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Brach. Yeah, I'm gonna go Brach. Is the one with something about Brachiosaurus? I think he says he says it's like 30 feet or something like that. Because I remember he talks about the neck. Yes, because they're in there later and they sneeze. I'm going Brachiosaurus. Yes. Yeah. Great scene. I mean, that's that's. And then that ties. Well, we kind of. I'm sorry. We kind of skipped. I kind of skipped to that scene, but I wanted to talk about the music that kind of flows into that that entire that entire like three or four part scene of that act it's Mm -hmm. uh that's where all the music and the magic just (laughs) explodes and it's awesome well we can we could go so i just wanted to bring up that raptor scene because Mm -hmm. the raptor theme song like the raptor theme music is something that comes back every time there's like a raptor Mm -hmm. on on the screen you hear that very distinct like music and you're gonna know oh no raptors are coming or raptors are there yeah, and you pointed out it's like um. Go ahead. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I just like I kind of missed you in that last. Um, you could point out what what was the instrumentation we said? It's like a flute almost that they would play, right? When you see the yeah. raptor or something like that. With the raptor, like there's I mean, there's flutes in like the Jurassic Park theme song and like stuff, but the flute there's like a higher pitch instruments more in the raptor songs than there are like the lower kind of soothing. Uh, uh, brass instruments in sort of like the dress park theme song and mm-hmm. uh, uh going to the island and stuff like that um i'm gonna say this word once because i said it a lot in our last one but it features the flutes in that section features. done using my word feature 
<laughs> but Jurassic Park is a great feature, I must say. I really such a good feature. <laughs> Take a sip, everybody. Counting it. How many everybody times take a sip when I say feature? I said it like eighteen <laughs> times last week. Um, I don't know. I take a tally. Mark. I didn't know that. But, um, but yeah, it's you. it's a uh, like I said. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely used well for that theme of mm -hmm. kind of the scary raptors, mysterious. Mm -hmm. um, you know what's their deal? It's more yeah. like a villain theme. You know that's what's yeah. so cool about it. That's really what it's because like they are. Yeah. The T-Rex, even though the T-Rex has that big scene where he rips apart the car, he kills the guy in the toilet, I always forget his name, uh, he injures Malcolm, like, he's not the, like, the T-Rex isn't the villain in this story, it's the raptors. And as he a saves kid, the day. I never got that. He saves it. Yeah. I never <laughs> understood that when I was younger. I was it's like, a Spielberg I thing. Like, what? Well, because I just happened to catch this today, that he's just like, they had a different ending uh, for that part, where he's I feel like I'm talking like Goldblum, though, where he's um, where they all are at the top of the rafters, um, kind of swinging. Uh, uh, yeah. Originally, the raptors are supposed to get caught in that skull of the T-Rex's mouth and like get crunched or something when they fell down, oh. something like that. Yeah, they mm. kind of have a, a scene for that, and they kind of scrap that because. Um, and then Spielberg and the other people, I think they're just like, well, let's just have the let's have T-Rex save the day. Let's have fun with this. He was having fun every single sec second of this movie. So he just like, T Rex just come out and just grab him. And it's like, how did he even get in there? I, and then, good thing I watched it like the other day because I'm just like, how does it get in there? It's a huge it's building, but there's no like a door for a T Rex. And then, if you, you carefully don't know about look in the background in the Discovery Center, you don't know about the T Rex door in the Discovery Center? Shame on you. <laughs> I'm sure they have one now. <laughs> they got one out for him it's just like how is he gonna knock he's got those tiny little arms <laughs> what's he supposed to do i'm sure they got those big automatic ones but if you catch the movie now if you look um there's like a there's like a what do you call it? like a a tarp and it goes outside and hmm. and that's how he gets in they were like working on it or something so yeah smart thinking get that t-rex the last minute of your movie you know what? It's like, it's kind of like when we were talking about Back to the Future, there's just some things in the movie you don't question. You're just like, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The T-Rex gets in the building and I'm fine no, with that. I, well, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of questions I have after viewing it, especially when you're younger, you don't care. You're like, that's a dinosaur. And you're like, awesome. <laughs> when you get a little bit older, you're like, it's a dinosaur, but why? And then you're just like, there's a dinosaur. How the hell did it get in here? <laughs> So yeah, I'm still a kid. I'm like, eh, whatever happened. Oh, like I said, <laughs> after I was done watching it, I'm just like, I'm back to being a, a kid instantly. Not that we're, I'm not already a big kid, but I'm just like, whoa, I just felt mm -hmm. com it completely just changed my mindset instantly. So, well, okay, let's go ready. Let's, let's go. I mean, we've been jumping around a little bit, but let's, let's talk okay. about, let's talk about going to the Island with the helicopter start yes. from there because that's that's really when we start to hear sort of uh motifs and music and we get a little bit more like we that's where we meet Elon Malcolm so we get some of his mm -hmm. character um yeah <laughs> you get so, you get a lot of orchestration in the in the helicopter scene on their way to the island you meet Ian mm -hmm. and you know right off the bat this guy is crazy in, a, in an interesting way he's not really a bad guy but he's he's like you know 
I'm going to hit on your girlfriend, even if you're, <laughs> if you're, I'm not sure of your thing or not, but it's funny. And they had to make sure he had a little bit of humor to him because most scientists, they were like, yeah, they, they got that. They need a little bit of humor just to show they're human. They're not well, just he's like, not a scientist. he's a mathematician. Right. But he's a mathematician. Correct. Yes. But I meant scientists <laughs> in, the, in the world of these kind of, um, you know, uh, brainiac kind of people coming to the island to try to yeah you know, convince I love how he he know. goes to Costa Rica in a yes. leather jacket. Well, that's what's so great. They, they call him a rock star. He thought he was a rock star, and he he, pulls, he, he acts like one. And they're saying really? how I think it was Sam Neil was saying how he really, <laughs> you know, he thought like he said like you said he's a mathematician. He's supposed to look like nerdy and kind of weird, and he has this shirt out like this half the movie he's a rock star he thinks he's superman he's ripped yeah. you know it's just like a. it's like he wears what all is black, this guy he, doing he doesn't have yeah, to think he's not the stereotype what he has to sure. wear every day that's why he wears black all the time um true and <laughs> and i i love um when dr grant takes his seatbelt and ties it around his waist because it just shows his like ingenuity and like his he just thinks on his feet so quickly <laughs> and he's like and he's, he can't get a yeah. ties it. <laughs> he's he's a he's got a kind of a little wit himself for sure uh mm -hmm. alan you know and i think that's why we relate with him too is that like he's not he's a little he's a little uh guarded and kind of closed off to people yeah. in the sense that yeah. like um, you know, he's focused on his work or whatever, but mm -hmm. he does have a personality and he has a heart, yeah. kind of a little buried, but he's not, but he's not like anything completely un, uh, unrelatable, you know, yeah. to well, they, the audience they needed, for sure. So in, in the book, um, Dr. Grant is, is slightly different. He, so in the movie, he doesn't like children. Um, he's very closed off to right. kids. Um, but in the, in the book, he, they gave him that character trait in the movie so that he has <laughs> sort of like a redemption and like so somewhere to grow in the story. In the book, he uh, likes Tim a lot because he likes dinosaurs. He respects him a lot. And, and it's very, it, his character's not too different, but there is that like different character trait about him. Okay. I didn't know that. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah. back to what we were saying about like, so we get this helicopter scene, but then yeah. we get to that opening motif on the mm -hmm. way to the island. And I'm going to try my best to do it on here. Ah, uh, yes. Ready? Let's see. That was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I always just kind of think of that when I hear that, you know, you, we, we hear that, we hear Jurassic Park, you know, that's what it is. We label yes. it as a movie. But if you really put that to something else, what do you think of? Um, and I was trying to think about that today in my mind. I'm like, why does that work so well here? And for me, it just kind of gives me imagery of flight and, and uh, like I said, adventure and like kind of just like if you in something um, like royal or uh, what's another word for that? Like, uh, like you're in the presence of greatness mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, this is where you're going. You know, you're going to the yeah. island of Jurassic Park and this is the the song to take you and this is like you're flying there and you're floating and you're about to to um come into the presence of greatness so that's why I think that mm -hmm. stands out in those terms um I mean I can go in the whole music aspect mm -hmm. of it why that works you know melodically and 
and stuff. Wait, before you do, up, but, but you, I, had, yeah, I, was I had this thought too, because I was thinking like what it made me think of. And I was thinking yes. that is the equivalent to me of, um, if you've ever been to a Disneyland park or a Disney world, whatever, yes. walking, walking down the middle of main street, USA, like walking into the park and like <laughs> hearing that song play and like walking down, like entering the theme park. And I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. Like this is a theme park song. Like this is supposed to place you in this place, like in this place at this certain time. And it does it so well because that's the feeling I get when I hear it. It's like I'm walking and then like I flash back to going to Universal Studios and walking through Jurassic Park and like seeing the trees and like they have like the dinosaur noises playing. And I'm like, this is perfect because as soon as I hear this song, this is where I picture I am is in this park walking into it into the Jurassic Park theme park walking by the Discovery Center. And it's like, oh, it's like I'm at Disneyland when I walk down Main Street and I hear all the sounds and the and the old school fanfare, Hello Dolly's playing or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. It just it just it just touches your soul and your emotions like right there. And uh, we haven't even gotten to the actual theme of Jurassic Park yet. And that's what's so funny. It's like you hear that, yeah. you think that's the theme you pointed out. You always thought that was the theme, right? You were saying that because you think Jurassic Park. Oh, it's that. Yeah, I that. always. Yeah, I always thought that was the Jurassic Park theme because it makes you feel like you're entering the theme park. But then you hear the actual Jurassic Park theme song and you're like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, and that's when we all do. And it's just that amazing, amazing shot of him walking out of the car and just seeing, looking up at a real dinosaur. I mean, yeah. to this day. Yeah. And then you hear that that cue of just the, hold on. Let's see if I can do it on here. <laughs> Very soft, but just subtle, like just you're in the presence of now, not just greatness, but beauty of what these uh, creatures that he just created from, you know, uh, millions of years ago. Here we go. Up. but then it's, it keeps going but um i was going to talk about that theme because it, it occurs over and over again in the movie in yeah. different instrumentation but that's kind of the more like the strings take over in that part and it's just mm-hmm. like so like peaceful and and you see that beautiful shot of the the herd of brachiosaurus and the what are those other ones called with the funny horns i forget what they're called but they're like dr- drinking from the water and or the Gallimimus. I only know Gallimimus because he says it in, in the movie. <laughs> and then there's Tim. a pack that like another movie. You think Alan would know the name of this thing? He was testing Tim. Oh, he was testing him? I always thought he was just like testing him. He was just like, I can't. No, because he asked him. I only know Raptors. Oh no, raptors. Raptors. Oh wait, I cut you off before That's when okay. we were talking about going to the island. You wanted to talk right. about the music behind the melody. And I cut you off. Oh, it's just I was gonna just say, I'm not gonna go into it musically exactly, but just the fact that it's got this bum 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 ba ba da. It just kind of keeps climbing up. I just like that idea. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his themes do that. It's a John Williams OT thing that yeah. I think you'd have to kind of break down melody. Um writing and understand like what he's doing i i've like i said i i study music in the sense that i like listen to a lot of his music and kind of understand what he's doing melodically um but it's there is a definitely um kind of approach he would take 
and you can say that the melody is moving in a certain way that gives us that that kind of concept of like mm-hmm. um approach and and like big and and uh i don't know i guess i call it like inviting and just and just emotional it's very cool so mm-hmm, i just mm-hmm. think that's why i love about that that beginning island uh theme it's got a really great just great melody it's it's unbelievable how he does it and very simple that's i was going to add that yeah um, with the other theme it's very very simple <clears throat> i think that's, John Williams. that's it that's all he uses yeah i think that's john williams in general like if you listen to a lot of his scores they're it's mm-hmm. so simple like i mean obviously not simple because orchestras and uh, bands and everyone have played in these but yeah they're so simple because and that's what makes them memorable you you can sing them back to people like even if, if you think about star wars um there's uh what is duel of the fates <laughs> Right, like you can sing yep. even that's like a bigger. There's like a there. chorus behind him, and you can still sing that back oh. to people. What? Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. These ha- these are fake glasses. They don't have glass in it, and I meant to like fix my glasses, and I poke my eye a little bit. <laughs> <through> <laughs> poke yourself right oh, in the man, eye. That was funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I yeah, I'm just saying. That was just like, funny. He, he's very good at creating these these theme songs that are just so memorable because they're so simple and you can sing them and you you sing them in your head and you can think of them off the top of your head if someone says the scene in a movie i'm like instantly like oh i can name the song that's in that movie that he orchestrated yeah. like not not to digress and nerd out so much in john williams but he really does that he locks himself in a room and he tries to write the catchiest tune he could think of and it's it's that's why they're that cre- crazy stuck in her head he mm-hmm. he he kind of has mastered the catchiness to his themes and his songs so um that's why they're awesome (laughs) i never i will never get sick of it like he i never i can't i can't do it because he's just but it's weird how 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 he can do it and if you ask anybody in the world to do that why is his stand out you don't know it's that's the magic of his of his brain and his uh his gifts so there's there's um, a reason why i i've listened to the et vinyl like a hundred times in the last yes. month like so I just i'm gonna get a little nerdy like, right here time, let's do it. oh wait sorry i keep cutting you off i'm sorry i hear i heard <laughs> i heard you saying something and then it inspires me to say something else i'm telling you i just got jacket I'm, i got the i got the ian malcolm that's <laughs> going on today the very very chaotic so i just got hyped up about et it's like i uh, listen to it and then i'm like flip it over do it again okay let's go yeah, yeah. i told you i was walking around with dress park uh, music in the background of, <laughs> I'm looking at people and it's almost like you're looking people as dinosaurs and I'm just like I'm just hearing bum, bum, dun, dun, and I'm hearing na 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 and I'm just hearing like a like bunch a of people walking their dogs and I'm just like they're moving in herds they do move in herds <laughs> but um, yeah it's great okay um, so then we uh, briefly so touched keep, on this already yeah um the first time they see dinosaurs we talked about it and that's when you get the uh, other kind of theme song in the movie. And they see the, they see the, the dinosaurs for the first time. And I know you wanted to talk about this because that scene is CGI. Anytime you see a full, full size dinosaur CGI, anytime you see parts of a dinosaur right. animatronic, which Stan Winston, yes. if you don't already so follow there, as I kind of learned. Right. So, like I said, the CGI was actually, um, this movie actually put CGI completely on the map. 
for mm-hmm. the rest of filmmaking, uh, the rest of the filmmaking industry, and it's changed film history as well. Now, CGI was done in other movies prior to this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Terminator Two being one, and probably one. There's other ones as well that yeah. was, you know, we fr- I, first I started seeing them being Tron used. Is one I always think of because that's one of the first movies to extensively yeah. use CGI. Right, but this kind of idea of like we can get rid of the clay and stop motion of uh, puppeteers mm-hmm. uh, work and we can go straight to puppeteering life likeness in a computer and recreate um, all those textures and all those things that yeah. seem stiff in animatronics that we just could not pull off the mega so dinosaur move like that. Yeah. So effectively too, to the, like it doesn't hold up a hundred percent. You don't look at it and go like, that looks real. Like you yeah. would today when you watch like the Marvel movies or something, but like, the CGI for 1993 is fantastic. I told like, you, I watched it the other day. It blows so my mind how that still holds up. It's really yeah. well done. And Especially the, the full-size raptors that they CGI. Yes. Amazing. Um, some of them are. Some of them are. It depends on the are, movements. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of it's puppeteered, um, especially yeah. we'll get into the scenes later with the raptors. But um, when, you, when you see them really doing something where you need the whole environment being shown with them moving yeah. around most that's when CG would come into play. When if you can get those subtle, like kind of close-up moments or just like little angle shots that- Those are puppets in that your head. Yeah, you don't need a CGI full shot. And it works very effectively in this movie. Yeah. As you don't need it. Not not to digress further. No, that's okay. I think I said, we're not really digressing. We're just kind of going deeper. Spielberg, the... uh, I think like learned from E.T. to mm-hmm. make it, make animatronics and, and make the characters- uh, do like kind of like real world movements like scratch themselves or like you know like kind of move like twitch a little bit like move their muscles to like make them seem more human not human like because they're not humans but like make them seem more realistic um and like, right. the raptors definitely do that in this movie like cgi just kind of loosens up all that stiffness for sure um that's why he made everything um you know uh I was going to say um, prosthetic or uh, what was I going to say? Um, uh, you know, just practical because yes. um, he just knew later on he can just CG all of it later down the road <laughs> in some special edition, just like everybody else. I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> no, not like his friend, George Lucas. <laughs> he did it with that ET special. I remember it's like he changed the guns to walkie talkies and they do a South Park. Episode oh, yeah, but that's not that. like it's not like he made ET CGI. Like, he yeah, he did the whole the movie. Guy. He's like CGI. Yeah, there's like all these cut. He had like a whole these like him going around the house extra footage and it's on TV sometimes like his mouth moves more loosely and more effectively because they redid all the cgi for his face and all this other stuff you go back and look he moves a little bit more (laughs) fluid like um but i was saying back to jurassic park um you know it i wanted to bring this up that it was originally Mm. supposed to be claymation and they had puppets puppeteers actually creating all the stop motion effects for the dinosaurs to move without uh the puppeteers and the animatronics and it was just like there were I don't think they were done, but they were in, you know, a good production already. And they scrapped all of that because the one guy's like, hey, oh, we're going to do this in ILM and we're going to just and we're going to just do a CGI because I have a test thing here. I want to show you. And it blew everybody's mind away. And oh, like, um, they were saying like, oh, great. Right. And they were just like the the puppeteers like, what are we supposed to do now? Like we're out of <laughs> we're out of work. We're, we're out of. Well, some of like, it. 
I mean, we've I don't been know working on this so hard for this movie. Why <laughs> we're trying to, you know, we, you know, we worked hard and trying to do all this. However, they actually mm-hmm. were, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise that they were a part of it because they were able to animate these dinosaurs using their puppeteer techniques. Oh. They had everything kind of coded and moved in a certain way from the stop motion at a, animatics and they were able to apply that in the computer with like scan it or something like that mm-hmm. so everything that they would move like a dinosaur would move or the or like they would get a certain angle and and try to map it out all of that came into play later because they were able to kind of transfer all that information to the computer to animate it later and it's like extremely challenging that uh, they said but it just it was a big help for them to not have yeah. it from scratch they had a lot of information they yeah. used from that I and didn't... they were actually involved Pretty I awesome. didn't know that. I, yeah, I, like I said, I, I, I did that, a kind like, of a... The only way that uh, Spielberg agreed to have ILM do the CGI for like the Raptors and whatever it was, they had to like mock up like the whole thing. Um, right. But I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, they used like actual claymation. Like that was the plan in the beginning. Yeah. It, I didn't well, know yeah, that. It was almost, um, I don't know if it was claymation, but like puppets, like uh, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, those aren't, that's not clay. It's, it's actually mm. all puppet toy yeah. kind of. But it's called um, claymation, usually probably. Figurines or something. Yeah, that's what they were mm-hmm. using. But you see it, and it looks like a, a Tim Burton uh, Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. movie made out of dinosaurs. It looks great. I, it looks awesome. But you're like, it's not It's believable. a different movie entirely, I think. Like, that would have um, felt about, very different. Yeah. You could tell. The realism not... would have been gone. It would have felt like it, a Godzilla movie. It's amazing movie. How, how well they went back and were able to get all the shots they needed. Uh, just to like, like I said, Spielberg is a genius and knows how to just make films because it just he knows how to map it out so well. And then all he has to do is just kind of shoot it. But still, there's <laughs> like a lot of challenges with just getting all the special effects in and making sure they look right. Somehow they were just able to pull it off from that groundbreaking technology of ILM and CGI. So yeah, I love it. I love CGI as much as as much as everyone hates it now. I am it's gotten better and it's all the stuff, but like this movie is how it can be effective and how believable it can be used. It's that mix of like practical and CGI. It's like yes. so Star Wars in the beginning mixed, but like back in the seventies, like people didn't know really what CGI like CGI wasn't like a thing. And then like these right. new Star Wars movies, too much CGI, nothing's believable because there's no realism there's no practical effect fast forward to the mandalorian sort of and like that mixing of both of those things again the practical and and the special effects then you start to believe it because you're like well i just saw this guy and he's clearly looks very real like i could touch his face like he could come up to me and i could touch it and he's real like i can live in this world and he would be real and then the cgi becomes believable because you feel like you are in that world too much cgi and you're like this is a fantasy land like the marvel movies with disney like you feel like you're in a comic book because nothing seems real because there's so much cgi in them i don't know if i just made any right and it's come a long way (laughs) of having us our eye being trained to know what's cgi and what's not and i think this movie was a first time of seeing cgi and Mm -hmm. not knowing what it's supposed to look like now we see it we're like it becomes off like a video game we've seen it in a video game, a 3D uh, rendering or 3D image uh, that that's animated, where it's like this was mixed with live people. Like it's not like you just see all of it CG, where it's mm-hmm. like 
movies that are all CG, they come off almost video yeah. game like, and they're not as believable and not as not as engaging as this movie can mix practical with real so fluidly and and just so. Um, I I think the word is just like, um, so handcrafted if that's a word for this CGI. It's just it's it's meticulous and it knows exactly what they wanted to do with yeah. it. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying other movies don't, but it's just like we're not like once they got to like dress part two and three, it's like more more dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, too that's much, the thing with too much work um, for practical. If if you do some research on Jurassic Park three, it's like okay, well we've seen dinosaurs before, but like we want to show dinosaurs that we've in a way we've never shown before. Like that's why so many dinosaurs in that movie are CGI, and that's why you see like the pterodactyls because like they wanted to show more dinosaurs that you've never seen as compared to the first one where you've seen these dinosaurs up close you know these dinosaurs they wanted to be like okay well we're gonna top that we're gonna trope it and and it's like well you did too much i mean i love yeah. the third Jurassic park movie but, but I, I think it's what the <laughs> it's, fun thing is it's just learning yeah no i like it too I, I saw a movie i had fun with it i thought it was cool i love alan grant alan. Uh, so it was like i got to see him again mm-hmm. i never thought i'd see him again I'm like, no way that guy's coming yeah. back. And I saw the trailer. I'm like, he's back. I was so happy to see him again. He's like <laughs> yes. my favorite. Yeah, so yeah. Um, was the movie great? Not to most people, but I enjoyed it. And like I said, it was new dinosaurs, new behavior of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. We always saw like this same behavior, but just more in a different environment. This was different, different dinosaurs, slightly different behavior of those different yeah. dinosaurs. Like the pterodactyl scene was awesome i think and yeah and, uh dress part I, mean, CGI, I mean i'm not gonna cool. go in the dress part three but like that's what i'm saying like you get different behaviors where it's mm-hmm. this is the first time you see dinosaurs first time they behave with actual yeah. people everything yeah. is just hand played on a huge plate and you're supposed to just eat it all up which yeah. you did just like the two i think it's an important in the scene that like if they were to see dinosaurs in the scene where they start the tour it would mm-hmm. have a different effect on the movie than this one when it just catches them off guard. I think it's so important to the story that the first time they see dinosaurs, it just catches them off guard. And they're like, whoa, like they're just driving through. They don't know what to expect. And then out of nowhere, boom, dinosaurs. And it just like, catches, it, <laughs> it takes their Bingo. breath away. <laughs> it, yeah. It's so important to the Dino story. That, DNA. That it, <laughs> Dino DNA. <laughs> yeah i think it's this seems great for the the plot and the story and like yeah yeah but where, they, also, where, they, where they go with the story but this connects to the movie the reason also why they do less cgi and more practical because say it with me spare no expense <laughs> i did say to you the other day that we had to say spare no expense yes. like that was i was like <laughs> that's the perfect time so to say <laughs> Oh, exactly. well, okay, I so think... <laughs> I think now's the perfect time to bring this up. Okay. Differences between the books and movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, John Hammond in in the movie is like, he's likable. He's And he realizes his mistake by the end of the movie, right? He's like, I don't think I'm going to endorse my park. I'm wrong. But, like, I had this great heartfelt idea behind it. I just, you know, I wanted I wanted to bring this joy to kids and whatever. In the book, he is such an a-hole. <laughs> he is not likable at all. Like, in the mm. slightest bit. 
like you don't like him at all he's just like i'm here to make money i can't I'm, only people who have money can come to my islands i want all these people to spend 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 only the rich can come here and give me money that's his character in the book and guess what he dies a terrible horrible awful death and when it happens you're like thank god yes <laughs> he falls down a hill in this like brutal death and then yeah. I, Oh, and then he gets eaten by compies, like the little the little dinosaur. So he falls down a hill, and it's very graphic. So that's another thing about the book versus the movie. It is very... This is a George R. R. Martin written scene. <laughs> it's basically a George R. R. Martin Sounds like Game movie. of Thrones right here. I mean, but yeah. it's very graphic, the book. But he falls down a hill and, like, breaks limbs, and then compies come and eat him. And then that's it for John Hammond. He never comes back. <laughs> And you're like, he deserved that. It sounds He's like Michael Crichton had it out for like a, a mentor or someone he really didn't like. <laughs> I hope that I mean, guy gets what's... thrown down on a hill. I hope he breaks all his limbs. It sounds like, you know, an Austin Powers. <laughs> please, I'm very badly burned and <laughs> broken. <laughs> Can you please help me? <laughs> but he deserves it. It's kind of like Nedry. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a downer. Nedry, like, deserves he he betrays everyone he sets up this awful thing in the park he dies a terrible death in the book it's way worse he gets like I was saying, he's in the book intestines come spewing out like oh, it's not pretty and he deserves it same thing with john hammond not a good person in the book like it's hard to imagine because if you've only ever seen the movie you only know that character in your head and you couldn't imagine and if that happened in the movie Claus. where he's spilling his guts you think it's soda that's just kind of oozing out of him or <laughs> there's like <laughs> or just whatever venting machine thing yeah no. <laughs> he took he took uh, a uh, shot uh, of the embryo before he left uh, uh, i don't know yeah. uh, <laughs> he didn't say the magic word uh-uh but yeah uh terrible awful death and like john hammond in the book you're just like this guy has no redemption for me at all in any way it's very sad um we got a digression no, we got, we went we we got we just kind of went to more deep dive about the book, which I did not know about. So for me, that was kind of more uh, um, interesting because I, like I said, if I hadn't just seen the movie, that's all I would know. And to see yeah. that there's a comparison between how these characters are actually so different and diverse from the book, and how you know Spielberg or whoever uh, I forget the writer who who had a different screenplay. I, he, there is a, a screenwriter. I mean that actually there did was more second, of this. Yeah, so. there was someone. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, that's that's he wrote these characters a little differently, I'm sure. So, um, oh, this is kind of a fun uh, little trivial thing. Um, uh, did we want to go into the the scene about the uh, uh, triceratops? Wait, let's. Can we before we do that? Can we talk about the because this happens first? Can we talk about the uh, baby raptors? Yes. Okay, so hold off on that. I, I have something to tell you about that. I learned today that was pretty cool. So go ahead. Okay. There's only really. There's two reasons why I want to bring this scene up because one has to do with the book. So B.D. Wong um, in the movie has a very, very small role in the book. He has, he does die in the book, but his character, and I can't think of his name, but he does die. He gives us most of the exposition in the movie on like the science. They kind of like strip that all down. And I think B.D. Wong says like two lines in the movie. (laughs) He doesn't say many lines. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to bring up the difference between the book and the movie is like he does have a more prominent role in the book because he tells you all about the science. Um, but I also wanted to bring up John Williams and um, his score. So the baby raptor scene 
has this like beautiful chorus behind it. I don't know if it's a chorus or it's meant to feel like a chorus. Um, okay. And to me, it like it Maybe embodies strings. this sort of like godliness that like it might be, but like when you listen to it, you like feel like there's people singing like a in yeah. angelic choir, and you feel this like yes. godliness that like John Hammond is trying to play God, and like there's this you yeah. just feel like church, like you're in church, like right? There's a this, vocal. Like, um, Use of mm-hmm. the, use of um, uh, I was gonna say like you said like a, a choral part there. Yeah. So like as the 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 raptor is being born and John Hammond's like, I'll let you do the impression because you're better at it than I was me. Say, can I do it? I was just about to yeah, say, can I do, do it? Do it. Do <laughs> it. Come on, come on, come on, little one. Yes. Come on, push, push. <laughs> there you are. I love to be her before they are born. Great grandpapa. No. Exactly. <laughs> but it is, so it's a great scene. He feels this like fatherly paternal role, like this godly role to these creatures that he's yeah. giving life he's to. He's the papa. And yeah. there's this like angelic choir playing in the background of this scene. And it, it's, it works so well. And like, you don't mm-hmm. really appreciate it until you listen to the score on its own and you see like where these songs fit into the storyline. You're like, Oh my God, like this makes so much sense with what's going on in this scene. Yeah. It, it fits so well. Like John Williams understands the story. It's beautiful. Yeah. I also thought that guy was John Williams, John Hammond. I thought it was just the same guy. Honestly. He kind of looks like John Williams. They, look so similar. <laughs> they really do. Richard Attenborough. They call him Dicky. <laughs> I found out. What? Yeah. Wait, what Spielberg calls him Dicky. Rich. Uh, oh, Richard um, I was Attenborough. Just how? Uh, Rich. Yeah, they call him Dicky because that's like his nickname. Oh, I mean that makes sense. I know. I didn't come up with it. So wait, I had I heard this today too. This is hysterical. This is this is typical Dicky. <laughs> There was a way to call them that. <laughs> they had actually experienced a hurricane uh, while filming that. Oh, uh, I've I've heard this story, but did yes, you hear about this? It's really what good. happened with uh, with with John Hammond with Dickie? Did you hear what happened with that? Yeah, I did. But tell the story. Tell the story. Okay, I mean, I'll, it's really quick. I'm just saying that they were all kind of like sheltered inside this hotel where that they were staying after the film, and they shut down filming for that day. <laughs> and Spielberg, I think the next day, um, uh, saw. Uh, John Hammond and he's just like it's like are you okay you know you're right with the storm apparently he slept through the whole thing <laughs> he, he was out the entire day <laughs> like he slept yeah and he, there was he said like, it, like it didn't face him because he's evacuated. like lived through his whole life other natural disasters and, then, like, and other things <laughs> people saying like <laughs> I thought that was hysterical it's I'm like, so funny. Look like the guy just takes a nap for a day <laughs> Wakes up and goes, oh, mystery and <laughs> Oh, man. That's what I mean. Um, um, so, but yeah, that's, I, uh, I, that's why I wanted to bring that scene up because the music fits so well with, like, this, like the theme of the, the story and, like, that mm-hmm. scene and, like, what they're going for in John Hammond trying to play God and, like, these scientists trying to play God. It just, it's perfect. Per- absolutely right. perfect. Um. But yeah, you wanted to talk about the Triceratops scene, which... Real quick, um, so I learned this also today, was that uh, I think Laura Dern plays Ellie, was saying how 
how believable that scene was and how the the character the the guy who's like the um who's the one with the he's like a jurassic park worker there who's with the triceratops it's like yeah. on her. um that's like one of the producers that guy um oh. so he was kind of like kind of overlooking the scene as he was actually in the scene i thought that was kind of a cool thing so that's all i wanted to say about that oh yeah that is really cool i didn't know that gary or something his name is (laughs) yeah i was like oh that's kind of cool you know they give these guys like kind of side parts to do that's actually really important in the story too sometimes wait i just realized we skipped a scene yes we did i know i that's why i didn't want to like go into it too much because i want my fault i jumped the gun Let's no, backtrack okay. for a second. Let's go I back to the, let's go back to the Jurassic Park gate scene, which yes. is kind of the culmination of all those like theme songs together. So you got the and the mixed together in in that scene, and then that's when you see mm-hmm. the big giant gates, which honestly everyone associates with Jurassic Park. When you hear that song, you're like you automatically think of the gates with the yeah. torches opening up and the you feel like you're on the ride green jeep yeah you gotta love the jeep well there's also <laughs> that really cool theme that happens as soon as they get to the park and it, they, they do this cool shot where the car zooms in and you, you get the logo like right on the door and it goes like and then it goes into this kind of like bouncy themes like and you're just kind of like okay i'm here now what's going on it's like that's how I feel when, when you hear that part. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah, about. I know like, what you're talking about. Off of the main theme, but it's a little different. It's a little bouncier. Like I, I had it on. While I was making uh, eggs the other morning, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's just it's very kind of joyful and, and fun that part. So I always kind of stick out. Anyways, I'm sorry. Continue more with that scene. If there was more to that. No, that's really that's really it. Okay. Other than um, if you like, just talk about like the nuances of like yeah. The dialogue and the kids in the backseat and uh just like uh this is when i think this is when uh ellie and um malcolm talk have the whole chaos theory the very brief mm-hmm. chaos theory conversation with the water droplets i think that's when this let's happens. see if i can recreate I that scene right now um but you get a little bit more about him because other than other than that what <laughs> so we can recreate that scene. Oh no, roll back this way. Good enough. Didn't work. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, other than that, you don't really get much from Malcolm's character. Um, talking about the book a little bit more. So you do get more exposition from him with what like chaos theory is in the book. But he okay. so in the in the movie, jump ahead a little bit. He in the movie gets hurt by the the T-Rex and he's still like present. He helps Ellie navigate when she goes to turn the power back on. Um, <laughs> but in the book, he is after the T-Rex attack, Dr. Malcolm is like done. Like you, you think he dies at the end of this book. Really? Like that's, that's it. Like you, he's done. And then Crichton brings him back in the second book and you're like, Oh, I thought he died. I was going to say, <laughs> because he's, he was holding off on him for a bigger hand, a bigger, bigger role, sort of, you know, bigger uh, storyline. Yeah. But he's like, KO, like you don't see him at all. And you don't in the movie you don't get any Malcolm like why he's he's there for a reason and you don't get really why other than for him to go uh the, the droplets like there's you know there's too many variables going on here. You never know what's gonna happen. It's not good. Like that's really it. That's all you get from him. And um 
if you don't mind me adding to this, I actually learned about this today about his character was that originally he, um, you know, this is kind of more about his character, not so much him explaining chaos theory. Sorry, I'm a little bit tangent of that, but like the fact that like he's not just all about that. He's kind of like, and he's not this kind of this kind of uh, trapped in a bubble character where, you know, um, mm-hmm. he does, he's not, he's not so much a jerk and he's not trying to just hit on <laughs> Ellie, but he actually has some um, <laughs> hero um, characteristics to him. Like the fact that actually Jeff Goldblum came up with the idea. He was originally supposed to just run out of the car when the T-Rex shows up and that was it. Like hide like the other guy. And Jeff Goldblum was like, oh, hmm. uh, Mike, can I take a flare and uh, try to get the T-Rex to follow me? And uh, Spielberg's like, yeah, let's try that. That sounds great. Let's do it. And uh, that's in the movie. <laughs> I thought that was awesome that he, he wanted to have a little kind of extra layer to his character in that story. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not like that at all. Probably to like the second book, you see more of that in the second movie, you see more of that kind of style of him, but it was cool to see that. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum had a little. I didn't know that. I didn't know that about him. There. Yeah. He was just like, uh, uh, because uh, of me, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's because of me. Really <laughs> nice. And he was like really happy about it. Of course. <laughs> I really, I didn't know that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Jeff so. Goldblum's in. I have, I have all this trivial knowledge <laughs> that I don't know what to do with. So I'm just kind of releasing it on you in the world right now. So <laughs> for those of you who are probably um, can find it anywhere, but still. So I want to go back to the trike scene. <laughs> okay. Cause we keep jumping around. Um, and you know what? I don't remember what I wanted to talk about, but I did want to talk about what <laughs> the poop was made out of in that scene because oh, I didn't know this when I looked it up. So it was, oh, I know. I actually remember what I wanted to talk about. Uh, okay. the, the plot hole that you mentioned yes. about why the trike was sick. Thank okay, you. So first, I was going to get to that next. The, <laughs> the poop was made out of, it was like mud and clay mm-hmm. hay. And then they poured honey and papaya on top of it to make flies attracted to it. So it actually didn't really smell like anything. Like it didn't smell like anything. Not great. <laughs> it's very effective because it looks very convincing. And you know what scene I think of when I think of that scene? Did you know in Jurassic Park 3 with the Nokia phone? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, they kind of throw I whenever I think of poop in Jurassic Park, I think of that scene when he's trying to find when they're trying to find the phone. Yeah. In, the, in the T-Rex poop. Like that ringtone is so iconic because of that movie. <laughs> Nokia. Missed those. Um, yeah. But yeah, please, uh, let's do it. I want you to explain to me what the hell happened with that storyline and what is it about? Okay, so this is going to be so anticlimactic, but so it's okay. um, I'm just curious. Maybe she, that's probably why they avoided it. She gives a reason in the movie why she thinks the trike is sick, and I can't remember. Yes. She it ate the a certain plant, right? Mm-hmm. Eating the plants. Yes. So West Indian lilac. That's actually why. Yes, that's actually why it's sick. But you don't see it in the feces because, um, I guess trikes do this thing where they eat rocks to help them digest okay and it made made it made the trike like regurgitate um and not have it in their stool sample or something and not have it in the feces yeah so it actually threw up the plant so that's why you don't see it in the poop but that's actually what's making it sick because (laughs) timmy says it looks like 
it looks like it has a cold. Do you remember Timmy saying that about the, the, the Brachiosaurus in the tree? Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I was, you know, I just caught that again. I was just like, it's like, why do they, they think all of them are sick? And I'm thinking like, cause they probably all are. Yeah. And they uh, probably all but, are, they, yeah. I, but also I know Samuel L. Jackson talks about that whole, um, they can't break down um, the whatever um, lysine amino acid or whatever. Yeah. The, the lysine and they it's can't, and, and, and that's like their, their, uh, their emergency button on this whole project basically to kill them all like but that. But it doesn't work because right. we know because life finds a way. <laughs> life uh, finds a way. <laughs> uh, or yeah. life finds a way. I don't remember where yeah. he put no, the right. uh, in it, but it's there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's true, because, like, you get Jurassic World, and they're all alive, and then, I mean, not Jurassic World, Lost World, sorry. Right. Um, on the second island. But, yeah, that's why that's why the trike is sick, and it's definitely not exciting at all. She was right the whole time, and I guess that's why they don't really give an explanation, because she says the plants are making it sick. She doesn't see it in the feces, but, like, that's why it's, that's why the trike is sick. Not, not exciting at yeah. all. And it would seem <laughs> as if it was onto something bigger that they were hiding. And it's just like, okay, you have to give this kind of breadcrumb a clue and there's mm-hmm. no resolution. There's not, and not even the second movie, they, they, they skim over that completely. And you're just, you forgot about it completely. <laughs> I was just like, why did they bother putting it in the first place? But I said, like, it makes sense for the scene of the Triceratops where it's like, it's on the floor, practical mm-hmm. use and making it believable for sure. Yeah. That works make a stick triceratops it you can touch it you, it's not moving it makes a lot of sense so i get it now and then you got that great meme of, of sam neil laying on the trike and it breathing and just <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. so memeable <laughs> it was like oh this is really wonderful you could just kind of breathe on it no he didn't say that but he would say something like that um okay so then fast forward a bit the triceratops whatnot attacks them scary i mean we can go into trivia about that and like how the animatronic didn't work in the rain and blah 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 um, um yeah i think we touched up on that a little bit i just wanted to know were there any other scenes following that up that we wanted to touch on uh before we get to like that climax that, that you know that just like the amazing what becomes actual jurassic park which is where it just becomes a you know just a a landslide basically of just terror <laughs> as i call it <laughs> that, that whole ending no i mean uh i think we should talk about one when uh grant and lex and tim are in the tree yes um because one 180 complete 180 for well yeah complete 180 for uh grant where he is now taking care of these children in the tree and he's keeping them safe which is totally different from uh his whole character he also pulls out the i love this he pulls out the raptor claw he like sits on it and he's like mm-hmm. oh, and he like pulls it out and it's the raptor yeah. claw from earlier and it's like mm-hmm. great because he's like what i don't i saw real <laughs> raptors i don't need this <laughs> it's right. awesome um, he goes like, what's also- this, basically, what's been stabbing me in the back all these years? And it's my own raptor claw. And he had to <laughs> let it go. That was, that was the, uh, that was the analogy they gave. Yeah. So. Gotta let it go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he could free himself up to not even being with Ellie or the kids or having any kids of his own at the end. 
Nope, not I'm even. So angry better. about that. That's one of my biggest problems with that movie. But still, keep going. <laughs> um, but then you got that beautiful, like, um, I think you're the one who called it, like the music box kind of music that yeah, plays. It's called a Celeste. Where he, mm-hmm. where he talks to them, and it's just, it's so soothing, and like, I mean, it's it's time for them to like relax and be safe and like fall in for the night, and that music plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you had anything else to add to that. I mean, I was just going to go into the fact of John Williams' music and how effective it is when he uses that instrument in all of his movies. Jurassic Park being one of them. Uh, He uses it in Home Alone. He uses it in um, Mm -hmm. Harry Potter. uh, A bunch of different... It's one of my favorite instruments. And it's because it reminds me more of like holiday and Christmas. There's something with that instrument always being used. I believe um, he uses it in Hook. Which I just watched the other day, and, Hook. and like Thank you. that scene Hook always too. reminds me of Hook because it, yeah. he does something very similar. I it's him. John Williams does all the Spielberg yeah. stuff. So, um, but like, yeah, and and how that scene goes right into the next scene we're going to talk about, and that's the mm-hmm. him and eating ice cream, and you yeah. see that beautiful shot. And I wanted to just say this back onto like me being as a kid. Um, uh, I didn't want to bring this up before because I remember being at Universal. And I think I was in like a restaurant. There's like a museum kind of like they have Universal the Studios Center. where you feel like you're in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they had the music playing on the background. I think mm-hmm. and it's just like you see the lunch boxes, you see the toys. And I'm like, this is real to me. And I've, yeah. you know, I've experienced this in real life. And just hearing that Celeste is kind of like, um, uh, like you, 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 you know, you just kind of penetrated into the world of Jurassic mm-hmm. Park for real when you actually go to Universal Studios but like I just love that that theme being played on that music box and how beautiful it is and just um uh just like and then they go into that whole very very simple but very effective story that you mm-hmm. wanted to talk about with uh Hammond and Ellie yeah so, I think these scenes I honestly can't think of what Grant is talking to the kids about he's talking right. to them about uh I honestly can't remember what he's talking to them about, but I think it's important for that scene and then the Hammond scene with the flea circus mm-hmm. to talk, to be back to back because it's just like it shows like Grant's childhood wonder and then like Hammond's childhood wonder back to back in in these two scenes, and it's just like okay, well, that's why Grant loves dinosaurs and that's why Hammond loves dinosaurs. This is why Grant is different than Hammond is different because. Hammond is a people pleaser and he wants to please everyone and and Grant loves dinosaurs and like wants to see the wonder of like what dinosaurs are and he respects that where Hammond doesn't respect it at all and then you get their backstories and you feel for them but then you also see the difference between both of them and I wish I could remember what Grant is talking about in that scene (laughs) but I can honestly cannot remember but there is definitely a contrast between like you're listening to him and you're like, Oh my God, I feel, I feel so bad for him. And I feel him. I feel for like what he was trying to do here, but he didn't respect the process. He didn't respect what he was trying to do as opposed to Grant who has these two kids now. And he's explained to him, talking to them and like, you feel the wonder you feel, you feel it for him and you, and you respect what he's trying to, to say to them. Um, I think I think that's great that like John Williams used that same music for both of these scenes, but you have to use your big brain to be like, well, these two characters are very different mm-hmm. in what in what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I also think that that um, that theme is used there 
and it's kind of the comic scene it goes into like it's almost like a dream state and that's how i take mm-hmm. it it's just like you know you get the comic these kids are going to sleep in a dream or whatever they're going to you know fall asleep and it's a very common kind of lullaby type of music and then you go into the whole john hammond story of his dream literally about his dream about having a park so i don't know i connect it kind of that way it's i could it's just a perspective i could be completely wrong what that whole thing is but i think it can be interpreted different ways Mm -hmm. and i just think it's an emotional part it's just like you know it's it's getting you know ellie and and hammond to talk about like you know the seriousness of all this and um and uh basically how it's turned wrong you know um yeah uh it's it's used one more time the that theme uh, but I don't think it's Celeste. It's uh, it's just a piano. And I love it mm-hmm. on the piano, that theme. Oh, man. It's like, obviously, I play piano. But, like, just to play those that, those two notes, there's two simple notes here. Uh, I, my Wait, theme theme, so. What scene is it used again? Um, at the very end with the uh, the helicopter. Uh, oh, where, okay, okay. again, with the kids sleeping, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that theme comes in nice and pretty for them to sleep to. Um, but it's beautiful. And it's that, it's that, and it's just on the piano. It's awesome. Anyways, so that's basically all my thoughts on the music, I think, so far in the movie. That's really it. And then comes back to the ending. But overall, it's used so well. And it's just mm-hmm. it's incredible how we, how we can create that. Uh, is there anything else, I think? Well, actually, yeah, I think it was uh, that scene in Leaving the Island. So I kind of touched up on my thoughts on Leaving yeah. the Island. That was kind of it with the music. So, um, yeah, it's uh, we talk about it so much because it's just so fun and so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I said, I feel like a kid every time I watch this movie instantly. Yeah, I do too. And it's like, it's one of those movies I can watch over and over and over again, because it just makes me feel it's, it's, it's terrible because of what happens in the movie, (laughs) but it makes me feel like a kid because of, of the dinosaurs and like what they try to do in the movie. Like, uh, could you imagine if this movie had no dinosaurs in it? Can you imagine this whole movie was just exposition of what they wanted to do about making dinosaurs and you never got to see them? It'd be like, uh, there are dinosaurs here on this uh, dinosaur tour. <laughs> like, that's how they all felt. It's like, you have a dinosaur park with no dinosaurs. It's boring. No one cares. You need dinosaurs. Well, that's the, that's, I mean, we didn't talk about that. So, like, that scene when they're going through the tour and there's no dinosaurs, like, it reminds me of going to the like uh, a drive through like uh, animal park kind of thing, and like whenever there's like or there's a zoo and the animals aren't doing what you want, like you can't tell animals what to do. Like, come on, <laughs> got real. Like, you expect these dinosaurs to do whatever you want them to do? <laughs> They're animals that lived. Yeah, um, you have no. Like that's what I said. This, this movie thinks it's about control. They never had control. Yeah. It's the flea circus. They said. never it's still an illusion. Had um, control. I, so we didn't really talk about it. Um, obviously, I think a lot of people's favorite scene is that scene with the T Rex coming for the first time, and it's it is so yeah. amazing shot and all this stuff, and that's why it stands out for all time. And even yeah, mm-hmm. we could see the famous running and singing in the rear view shot. You mm-hmm. know, the T Rex scenes are the most fun. So Must about go this movie. faster. But, and yeah i mean t-rex is like its own rock star in this movie but yeah um what's so cool is that um i wanted to tell you this i don't know if you knew this that that they used um a really cool effect for for like the sounds of the t-rex moving i don't know if you Mm -hmm. knew what they used 
Actually, I was going to talk about, I wanted to see if you can guess what were, what animal sounds did they use to make a T-Rex sound? I read it, but it's, it's like a bunch. Okay. They used and this so ties in animals. with what I wanted to say. Remember ago, I was like, oh, it ties in with, um, with, uh, like with the Japanese things. I was saying mm-hmm. before. Um, so the sound guy was saying years later, you know, they had a dinosaur roar. And it's just like, well, the Japanese are like, dinosaurs probably made no sounds. A T-Rex would not make any sounds except for the sounds coming from its stomach, just digesting whatever it ate. And <laughs> who wants to hear a dinosaur just digesting? It's disgusting. So it's like, of course. And he goes, it's a movie. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, a Japanese guy is complaining about a dinosaur making noise? I'm like, don't they have Godzilla? <laughs> Like that makes like the most iconic noise ever in film Hindu uh, oh, film sure, industry. Yes. I think maybe they were just mad about that, trying to step on their uh, Godzilla toes a little bit. But I'm kidding. But like, uh, <laughs> actually, they used um, a baby elephant for the T Rex, mm-hmm. um, and they. I don't think they even distorted. They said this baby elephant just had a like a funny noise. Mm-hmm. They went to go record it, and it was just that was the noise they got. They're like, we'll take it. And then uh, for the uh, raptors, it's a uh, dolphins, I think. And that's like a, it's like a squealing kind of sound. Oh, yeah, it's like yeah, dolphins, yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe mixed with some other animals. Um, same with like cows, I think, were the brachiosauruses and stuff. And little and lions too. They mix all all animals, like any creature in any movie. But yeah, um, I well, thought that like, was kind of interesting. Sound... How they get that awesome iconic sound? Did they was know that... what sound dinosaurs made? <laughs> yeah, and then the and then the the T Rex walking was trees falling down, big redwood trees that fell down. And it's like, oh wow, and that's how you get that awesome, just like impact mm-hmm. sound of like, and that's what's so. I was gonna say, what's so brilliant about this movie is the fact that they can get so much from nothing. It was just all sound or mm-hmm. or environment movie. That was really mm-hmm. the, I think, the brilliance of this movie. You don't really see them for a while, and then when you do see them, it's amazing. But you hear them and you feel that like presence that they're somewhere. They're in there somewhere, but you don't see yeah. them for a while. And that, that, that reminds me of the zoo. Whenever you're disappointed, you see the thing on the panel and then it's like, where the <laughs> is this thing? And you're like, forget it. Let's go to the next one. You know, that's that's the joke. And I'm like, that's so true. Yeah. It's so accurate. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, because um, he was creating some like that's I think the importance of him telling that flea circuit story because the fleas were, mm-hmm. there were no fleas. It was invisible. Everything was invisible. He was like, I wanted to create something real. And like, this is real, but <laughs> you can't control animals to make them do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, to get, did you know, um, back to T-Rex seeing the ripple in the water, in the, mm-hmm. in the water glass, um, how they got that perfectly was um they tried all these different things and finally this guy got it with a guitar string he plucked or something and that gives oh. it that kind of cool like ripple effect with the vibration of the guitar string so it comes back to music full full circle there that music oh, wow. I that didn't know that. kind of cool effect yeah i don't know about the puddle necessarily but definitely for the glass yeah. and the car that that i do know do you so, know how they did um, the jello because yeah. I, I think that's all my knowledge about this movie <laughs> i think that's all i know <laughs> Well, I was going to mention, because you, you said, like, it being realistic. And, like, mm-hmm. so are in in the book, I think Crichton wrote, I don't know if it was the raptors specifically or all of the dinosaurs, but, like, they right. were, like, brightly colored, which is, okay. I mean, I don't, that's not true. But, and then also Steven Spielberg wanted the dinosaurs to be bigger than they were. 
Um, okay. Like the raptors to be taller. Raptors are, are really small, I saw. And they used to, I think some have uh, interpretations that they could tell that they had wings and things like that. I've mm-hmm. seen other realistic bit, uh, like uh, pictures of that somewhere. I forget where. I think I saw that somewhere. That's where they're yeah. more like birds. <clears throat> oh, well, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. well, Grant gives that whole speech in the beginning of the movie to that kid. Oh, well, yeah, with that kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so brilliant. I love it. Condors. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Condors. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I think we went through everything. I'm uh, pretty impressed. There was a lot, there was a lot this this movie, but I'm glad we actually kind of went a little more in depth about those things. Cause honestly, I like I said, I didn't know anything about the book. I think you gave us a very good um, kind of comparison and contrast about these two stories and how they work so how without this one you wouldn't mm-hmm. get this one and, and that mm-hmm. i found that really interesting so i mean yeah. i may I read mean, it one day who knows i in, or just I watch the movie again you to go line. read not only this book but again i've read so many michael Crichton books i, don't know. I feel he, bad if i picture john hammond from the movie getting fall falling down but I, you say he's as mean as he <laughs> no, is he in can't. the book maybe he deserves he is it. A, he's a monster <laughs> in the book monster yeah. um, i feel like christopher mcdonald shooter like, mcgavin would be perfect for him <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a jerk in every movie he is basically shooter mcgavin like in the in the book like that's that's john hammond's character so he's more the villain it sounds like in the in that story yeah, yeah i mean almost, yeah i think in in the movie they make the raptors the villain like yeah. um but in the book, like John Hammond really is the villain because he believes that this is still going after everything that goes wrong, Nedry, whatever he does, the, the park failing, he's still like, this will work. Where in the movie, John Hammond's like, I agree, this is not gonna work. <laughs> Let's scrap yeah. this whole idea. Like in the in the book, he's just like, This will work. We're, we'll put people at risk. It's fine. It, it's horrible. Um, but it's still a great read. Um and, and all right i might check it out i might check it out for sure um, um if not i'm just yeah. gonna i'm gonna just remake the whole the whole trilogy again <laughs> i'm gonna write <laughs> no, jurassic, park, the, jurassic park the musical i think it's gotta be <laughs> that's something we don't need to be honest i'm ian malcolm ah ah ellie chaotician chaos no i'm just kidding um but like <laughs> <laughs> just you just sing all the melodies we're here again and the dinosaurs do you see i don't know i mean john williams basically wrote the musical for you you just gotta edwards do it it's okay you need a song called all right is that DNA. it i just i <laughs> dino dna i that's I the words i say <laughs> <laughs> like, just stop please stop it <laughs> stop giving your, your musical ideas we don't need it i'm gonna put my hat back on for the outro here yes i do it i got a little ellie because she had a hat on like this and i got a little grant that looks like her hat you like a, you're like you're like if if alan and ellie you're you're alien <laughs> <laughs> exactly That's pretty funny yes um but yeah anyway we are (laughs) boozies and uh this was our episode on jurassic park uh 
if you're listening to us on YouTube, drop a comment. Let us know. Did we miss any of your favorite moments? Also, follow us on Instagram. We are bruzic underscore and underscore boozies. And follow us on Twitter. We are bruzic, the letter N, boozies. You know, tweet us or comment on our Instagram. Let us know um, any movies that you have a connection to that you would like us to talk about. Is there any movies with music in it that um, you might want us to talk about either? Let us know if there's any beer that you want us to try. Um, Any movie-themed cocktails, maybe. Um, That'd be fun. Um, But yeah, let us know. Reach out. Uh, Also, (laughs) on any podcasting site, you know, give us a five-star rating go follow us and uh we'll see you next week signing off your friends in time bye